Welcome to the Open Source Way. This is SAP's podcast series in which we'll talk about the difference that open source can make. In each episode, we'll talk to a different expert and we'll talk to them about why they do it the open source way. I'm your host, Carsten Hohage, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to Michael Bernhardt or Michael Barnard and Artem Smotrakov, sorry, I had to concentrate on that, about FOSTARS. We will learn how it helps you find out more about the security and other aspects of open source components. To our guests, Michael works in the role of program manager for SAP's open source security strategy and is DevSecOps lead in SAP's corporate security organization. In his spare time, he plays around with something he calls semantic light. We will come to that in a minute. Artem is a security engineer at SAP who helps developers to use open source in a safer way. He also does things around electronics in his spare time, but Michael maybe first. Um, semantic light you do in your spare time. What is that? Hello, by the way, and welcome. Thanks so much. Hey, Carsten. Uh, thanks for inviting me here. And um, funny that you touch upon that. What is semantic light? Um, if I invite you to my home, you might see what is semantic light. You might find this all around the house in here. Um, so the semantic light, it all started off with kind of the, the experience or with the notion that uh, continuously I was checking for status updates, whether this was the share price or whether this was the weather forecast. And, and what I perceived is that this is a constant distraction where you're looking at your mobile. Um, and that's what got me going in uh, kind of starting to read a little bit about how the brain processes light. And um, what, what I found there is that um, light is perceived by the, the left temporal loop um, that is responsible for the language and light. Uh, perception is uh, separate to that. It's kind of in, in the, the right hemisphere. And so it's not interfering and that not makes it pretty handy to say to have real-time status data, kind of discrete. So that means you have lamps at home that change from red to green depending on if the SAP stock price is rising or falling or something? Or You're right, you're right. There are some, some weather indications, there are some stock price. Or if I leave the house, then it also tells me, do, did I close all my windows? And the same just kind of I see can be applied also to a business world, to an enterprise world on the most relevant information for your corresponding role. Okay, you're married, right? <laughs> I'm married, I'm still married. And okay. It's kind of my way to, to get the, the family acceptance of, of me playing around with the little raspberries. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just going to say, you just needed some reason to uh, kind of do hardware, software interfaces. Uh, because, yeah, the job is just just isn't enough, right? That's very much true. It's inspiring to have something else and still keep up a good marriage. <laughs> okay. Is that is that similar to uh, the stuff you're doing when you say, Artem, you like to play around with electronics at home? Yeah, something like that. I also play with some Raspberry Pis and microcontrollers with some light sometime and there are a lot of other stuff. Okay. Okay. Good. So, uh, with that established, what kind of guys you are? Uh, let me uh, just come to a little note before we start into our actual topic. We will be talking about matters related to security. Thus, I need to kind of make the following disclaimer. If someone in this following podcast claims something to be secure, 
it's probably correct, but don't take it for granted. If someone in this podcast claims something to be able to assess if something else is secure, it's probably correct, but do not necessarily take it for granted. If someone in this podcast claims anything at all, do believe that it's to our best knowledge anytime, but see above, do not necessarily rely on it with your system security. You all know why I have to say that. And with that said, we can come to the actual topic finally. So uh, either of you who wants to start, what is FOSTARS? Yeah, sure. Uh, I can start. Uh, Fosters is a Java-based open source project that allows uh, engineers and other domain experts to define various ratings for open source projects. For example, uh, that's my favorite example, uh, security rating for open source project. And those ratings uh, helps to check uh, how well some particular properties are implemented in open source projects, for example, security. Okay, so security would just be one as aspect, and and Fostars really is a how would you call that a framework to plug in certain assessment tools? Yeah, good question. You're completely right. Fosters is a framework that allows defining multiple ratings, and it allows you to define ratings ratings to assess different sides of open source projects. And let me let me add to that kind of what Artem already mentioned as to the framework when it, once you apply FOSTARS and uh, you have that rating, what it allows you is that you have a comparable rating and it gives you the justification um, for introducing a new open source component with high confidence. Um, it allows you also to assess continuously during the life cycle of your product, the state of this open source component. And that gives you criteria at hand that as part of what we call in the security domain threat modeling, where we assess on what, how stable, how secure is the product. It gives you the perfect criteria in the discussion with the corporate security guys that are always nudging you, how secure is your product. Um, so you have a good kind of statement at hand why you selected a certain component, why is it still secure, why it might not be on the latest version, but still can be considered as secure and good, kind of high quality enough. Okay. Um, maybe before we go into some more details concerning the framework and also concerning the security and or other examples, uh, let me first ask, it's kind of a strange name. How did that come about? Yeah, I can, I can briefly explain. Uh, Fosters uh, consists of two words, FOSS and STARS. FOSS means free and open source software, and STARS refer to a number of stars that you can give for an open source project. Let's say one star is not too good, two stars is okay, and more than two is good. So that kind of reflects the idea that Fosters uh, tries to assess open source project, giving them some amount of stars, for example. And is that really what it what it turns out as a result? Is that, Do I get one star, two star, three star, five star software? Or what's the rating scale? Yeah, not, not really. So in the beginning, we wanted to use actually stars uh, to uh, represent ratings for open source project. But in the end, we decided just to go with human readable labels and not only limit us with a uh, number of stars. But historically, uh, so we decided to call it FOSTARS. So how, now that we've talked about the name, how did FOSTARS uh, come 
to life anyway? Why was it needed? Uh, and what are the challenges uh, that it tackles? So let me take the question and I, I go back to the very beginning of when the, the whole project started. Um, the whole discussion on fosters arised from the debate that um, you might have seen from uh, Eric Maymond, so-called the Linus Law. And the discussion with Jim Semlin from the Linux Foundation, where it was about uh, open source communities and the security of them speaking the so-called famous eyeballs statement that they brought up. So give me enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow. And Jim Semlin responded to that. In these cases, the eyeballs weren't really looking and he referred to that in particular on the so-called open SSL case, um, hard plead. Uh, that was there something around 2015, 16, something. And um, also we had some discussions before. I remember, for example, the discussion with Gordon Half from, from uh, Red Hat um, and also reading into the, the work of David Wheeler um, from the core infrastructure initiative. And this generally raised the question about um, is when we talk about open source and how we integrate in our products, is just looking into the vulnerabilities. Is a proper vulnerability management enough? The state of an open source component that you have integrated can change tomorrow if there is a new new known uh, vulnerability coming up tomorrow. So that changes completely your risk perception that, that you had the day before. And so what we did is we started with a survey inside of SAP, um, aiming at, in the end, there were 2,000 colleagues responding to that. Um, and the results are very comparable to what we have seen from other firms kind of reporting, bringing up reports from SNIKE and the DevSecOps report. Um, so one of the findings was that open source may be seen as a risk during the development if there's not enough guidance how to keep it and I assume if there are not enough eyeballs who have looked at it, right? That's very much true. The question is, how much eyeballs can you invest? And how do you come to a conclusion that there are enough eyeballs? Exactly. And they, they kind of concluded that from, from what they knew back then, um, they, they stated that they refer to the eyeballs being given in public blogs being kind of what is written generally about the uh, component in the internet. And they refer to the comments by colleagues. So they're close nearby colleagues. What do they see as the right component? And, and then, sorry, uh, just for my understanding here. So I have two different ways of thinking about FOSTARS at this point of your explanation. Is it either FOSTARS provides artificial eyeballs or does FOSTARS assess how many eyeballs have looked at something? <laughs> Good question. The way I would compare this, and this might link to some, some kind of upcoming block that we plan to, to release, is um, the so-called mobile manufacturing. Toyota is referring to the so-called Obeya. Obeya is the big room where a number of different peoples in different roles, the quality manager, the architect, the license expert, the security expert, look at a certain part, a certain process, the production process, the third party um, part kind of element that is uh, supposed to be integrated. And they judge this based on their expertise and give it a process of how it should be assessed so that in the end, the production process assures that 
the whole manufacturing is in the end delivering a secure and kind of well-established product. Okay. Um, now, the the entire approach of uh, somehow trying to assess the maturity, the security, the performance, whatever of open source components, as we said, it's a framework. Our example is security, but you can probably do other aspects as well. Um, that approach probably has been there before. On the one hand, there is eyeballs, and on the other hand, I assume there are also other tools who try things like that. What was the particular reason for you, for us, to drive the Four Stars project? What were you missing? What wasn't there? We looked into what the market considered state-of-the-art back then. Um, and what we found is that on the one hand side, we found uh, reports and we had direct exchange also with our partners um, that have established so-called security review boards. Um, for example, Capital One is one of the company which claims of having established this kind of what I mentioned as the Obeya, this kind of group sitting together and judge um, on open source components. Uh, we also know, for example, from Siemens, uh, Siemens Healthcare in kind of critical components, critical assets to the um, supply chain to their final products. They take the extra effort of bringing people together and judge on that. We also learned from the concept of where companies do dedicated forks of open source components to really restrict this kind of a very heavy process of uh, putting in the effort to, to kind of nail it down to your particular need to avoid that anything which kind of might be not used, but might introduce a flaw is kind of eradicated, it's kind of removed. You made that sound as if this was sometimes even overdoing it, or is it the way it's good and supposed to be? I would put it like this. If you have a highly critical area of your product development, which is essential where um, it's really the core of your application, you, you can do this investment. But considering that uh, nowadays, Development projects, they consist also in the enterprise world around 60 to 90, even going beyond 90% of open source. That's what makes it a challenge um, to assess each and every component. And you need efficient tools and an efficient way to do that, um, where we found kind of with the FOSTARS approach, we have the automated approach pulling the right criteria, giving it a rating which is consumable by a number of people, a number of experts, also when they are not from the security domain, and give them a clear understanding, is this the right component for my dedicated use case or not? Right, but basically we can't make a general statement, you always do it this way or that way. It depends on, is it a critical component, then you have, uh, I don't know, you have... Uh, what the open source community has said, what your tool has said, like Fostars, for instance, and you have additional real humans look upon it. Uh, and in other places, you may just want to trust uh, the open source community's assessment plus your tools assessment or something, right? Depending on the level of criticality. Exactly. What Fostars definitely provides you is the baseline where you can put the first judgment on anything which requires or has a dedicated security need to go deeper into that, you can do the investment 
But like mentioned, phosphorus is the basis. Okay, so if we spoke in the ways of semantic lights, basically phosphor either puts on a red, green, or yellow light, uh, and depending on that, uh, you don't go by this assessment alone, but then you either take a look or kind of think, okay, this is where I take a look when I've looked at everything else. Exactly. Okay. And uh, maybe maybe back to you, Artem. How does Fostars do this? Yeah, uh, I think the approach is pretty simple. I'll try, I'll try to briefly explain it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Fostars is a framework, uh, and this framework allows a domain expert, for example, a security engineer, to define a rating for open source software or to define a model, in other words. So then uh, Foster does the following. So Foster uh, starts gathering publicly available information about this open source project and then put this information to that model defined by uh, a domain, by the domain expert. And uh, then Foster does some magic insight with a defined model. We can discuss it in details maybe later. And uh, it outputs uh, two things, just two things, a score, this is a number from 0 to 10, and the label. So a score means uh, how well uh, a specific property, for example, security, is implemented in an open source project. Zero means relatively bad or bad. Ten means good. And if you got something in the middle, yeah, it's something in the middle. And then uh, Foster tries to interpret the score for you by assigning a specific human readable label. For example, it may be good, bad, or moderate, depending on the score which is outputted by the model. And when, when you say, for instance, you gather publicly available information, um, use security as an example or something else, if you wish, uh, what kind of publicly available information would that be, for example? Yeah. Yeah, great question. Uh, in general, uh, we're trying to find uh, very various and uh, data about open source project and try to incorporate it in uh, our models in fosters. I'll give you a couple of examples. So if we're talking about uh, open source security rating, we're trying to gather information uh, about what kind of security tools I use in open source project. For example, it can be static code analysis, dynamic uh, tools for dynamic analysis, fuzzers. Uh, another example that we're trying to check if uh, open source project has security policy that describes how vulnerabilities may be reported to project maintainers. But besides uh, the stuff which is uh, directly related to security, we're also trying to see, for example, how active uh, projects are and uh, how big how big the community is and uh, things like that. How many eyeballs? Yeah, exactly. How many eyeballs? Yes. Yeah. Um, but then I take it what it does is really not actually scanning the open source components code for by some way of magic or these days called artificial intelligence uh, finding vulnerabilities in the code but it's rather around the processes and the tools and everything that have been used to make this code secure right 
Yes, you are absolutely correct. Foster's doesn't scan uh, the actual code for vulnerabilities, but you're right, it tries to identify what kind of tools and processes around these tools open source community established it for a specific open source project. So in, in the end, one would have to say the rating that it uh, has as a result is more like this code does have the potential to be secure. Yes. And this code doesn't even have the potential to be secure. Yes. Because it doesn't actually look in, I don't know, what protocol is being used here and there, or does it do that as well? Uh, the logic here is that uh, if we identify that a project uses a lot of security tools, it has security policy, it's very active, it uh, gives us uh, signs that uh, this project takes uh, good care about security. And this is good in general to prevent uh, vulnerabilities to be introduced to, to the project in the future. And that's what we're trying to assess, how, how likely, how secure is to use open source component in uh, an application. Okay, M makes, makes sense of course, because the tools that are being used to actually make the code secure, you don't have to redundantly do this again, but rather gather the information that they have produced and what has been used, right? I, I'm just trying to see if I understand it correctly. Exactly, exactly. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, let me add one point to that, and this really goes down to the not only tools and how the community internally checks on their coding, but this goes also into beyond that of how the community is interacting with the broader community in terms of processes. I'll give you one example. Um, nowadays, we have something like a private channel where open source communities, well-established open source communities can be contacted if somebody finds a security bug. Normally, that is done by the community stating on their, in their readme, as part of their readme or as part of their policy, um, the security file. They are stating how the community can be contacted if such a finding was um, identified. If that was not the case, you can imagine somebody who finds a security bug might have no real understanding how he can approach someone from the community handling this internally. And that would mean that maybe then he's posting it in a blog, maybe he's posting this as a GitHub issue publicly, and everybody could see this beforehand. Or maybe they just get frustrated uh, and don't report it at all if it's unclear uh, how and where to report it to, right? I mean, I can relate to that as an end user of things. Uh, if I don't know, I've been, I'm being contacted by a strange telephone number at work or something, uh, I'm supposed to report this to someone. If it's easy to find out where to report it, I do that. If it's not easy to report it, I kind of think, okay, did I say anything? No, I didn't say anything. Well, no need to report it. Okay? This is definitely not the situation as a community that we want to be in. And as a kind of a consumer of that component, we don't want the component to act like that. Right. So here again, you assess the potential. Is it easy or is it well-defined how security issues are being reported? And then the assumption is then they are probably also being reported. Okay. Okay. 
I get it, I think. Um, so how then in the end, is, is there any verification like based on these kind of aspects? Uh, is there any verification that a rating is correct or like at least near correct or something? Yeah, that, that's a very important point. Uh, we th I think this is very important to make sure that uh, a rating, a model that's built on top of fosters is produce uh, meaningful data. So to make sure that um, our ratings produce uh, meaningful uh, ratings, we have a special bunch of tests. Uh, this is uh, known as non-answer tests. Uh, it's pretty simple thing. So we define a set of data and we define an expected score and an expected label. And then uh, we just feed this data to the model and see if the actual output score match with the expected one. That's uh, pretty simple. And we define multiple test vectors like that. And uh, to start, so we just define a data set which represents a very bad open source project so that we definitely expect a bad score, a low score and a bad label. And we define then a data set that represents a good open source project. And we expect for this good artificial open source project, a high score with a good label. And then we define some test vectors that represent open source projects somewhere in the middle between zero and 10. And uh, once we introduce something new in our model or change it or tune it a bit, we run these test vectors and see if uh, our produced actual output scores fit to these uh, expected ranges. Let me see if I understood that correctly. Basically two ways of verification. Uh, one is produce artificial projects that have an expected rating and step two basically is human assessment of uh, has the expectation been fulfilled right yeah yeah okay okay yeah michael uh, you seem to want to add something here <laughs> i want to add important to say is that just a, just a rating doesn't fall from the sky um a rating and the perception of how it reflects security is a continuous learning path. And so what we did is also inside of SAP, we revalidated those scorings with product teams. Artem was outlining on the automation of continuously kind of having this proof that the rating still applies and is still accurate. But also the, the metrics and the weightage inside the rating of how it kind of all combines uh, is something which needs to be revalidated with real projects. And for that, in the end, it, it very clearly shows, and we have seen this as part of one of the first assessment that we did with a team, there were quite a heavy load of bad ratings. And then those questions arise, what do I do as a developer now with all those bad ratings? Is the rating correct? Am I using such an outdated or kind of flawed or kind of non-active project? Or do I need a kind of a process guidance to overcome that, to move the components from bad to good? 
And so what I want to express is kind of the automation is one key of that, but it's also as part of the internal community inside of SAP, but also as part of the outside community, this discussion of how the rating in the end assembles in the correct form. Okay, and, and breaking this down to a very simple detail, maybe, uh, would you then discuss things like, for instance, you're saying, okay, our tool says you don't have a defined channel to report issues, and the team says, yes, we do, your tool just didn't find it? That could be the way, that could be one of the findings. Right now, I would say we are having, we are kind of in the neat situation that, for example, when we look to GitHub, GitHub is right now doing a streamlining of security processes, not only for security, <laughs> important to say, but also uh, in particular, they are aiming at making the communities applying a standard process, which helps to run this, uh, the open source community overall more secure by having a security MD file. They're kind of giving out a policy of how to create it, how to formulate it by having, for example, advisories being given by the community once they want to disclose it. That's one channel. And all these dedicated channels is what can be easily assessed by an automated tool, speaking of Fostars. Then we were speaking about projects now uh, with which also you, or against which you basically have to tune the FOSTARS output. If I want to use FOSTARS uh, for rating my project, how do I get started? Yeah, uh, we have uh, a common line tool, first of all, that you can download it and just pass a URL to your open source project, a GitHub URL, for example, and uh, Fosters is going to automatically collect data and output everything to your terminal. So using this command line tool is just first option. Another option, if you don't want to download the tool and run it, you can just check out a report that we built for kind of well-known open source project. This report contains uh, a lot of uh, Apache projects, Eclipse projects, Spring projects. So you can just check out this report on in our GitHub repository. And uh, we have some plans to uh, add a GitHub action that runs faster. So we have some plans to implement a Maven plugin that people can use uh, to automate uh, Foster's checks in their CI CD pipelines. And to give some further to give some further insight of how we apply this inside of SAP, I was already mentioning, for example, the concept of threat modeling, where in we apply this kind of collecting the information what components we have and have them rated by fosters, which allows us then as part of the assessment to look at in particular into those which have a kind of not so good, bad rating, uh, moderate rating. Um, also, in addition, uh, Artem was mentioning the CICD pipeline, but also it comes to the next step that when you, when you want to release, when you want to deploy your product, it's about how do you validate it. And that fosters is kind of taken there or kind of integrated into our tool sets there and allowing that we get this kind of a report before deployment, before delivery, um, making the judgment is the product in a state that is good enough from our kind of against our security principle. Okay. Um, 
then uh, with these uh, at least first level instructions or tips how you start using FOSTARS, let me come to my usual final question. If from this session today you would want people to take two to three main takeaways back home, which ones would that be? So, uh, erasing is defined with fosters is a model. We all know that all models are wrong, but some of them are useful. And we're trying to build a useful one. To do that, we are looking for feedback and uh, feel free to reach out to us. Okay, here's one. Join the community or give feedback. That's point one. Michael, your turn. I love that conclusion. I couldn't agree more. Um, the three points that I would mention here is assess your open source dependence, dependencies early. Um, make it easy for developers to get the right and concise criteria for the justification and do not only concentrate on vulnerabilities and avoid the perception that security is the final gatekeeper for your delivery and for your deployment of your product in the end. Okay, then it's my turn to say thank you, Michael, and thank you, Artem, for being here. That was interesting. I hope the uh, same is true for everyone out there. Everyone out there, thank you for listening to The Open Source Way. Please listen in again the next time. Please spread the word. Um, we have actually switched our rhythm, by the way. Uh, we're not going bi-weekly any longer. We will always be last Wednesday of the month. A new episode is coming out. Thanks again, Michael. Thanks again, Artem. Let's all say bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much. Be clever. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.